thing about Bitcoin um, is in the past, people do realize, hey, it's a very easy way to get money overseas. So I, you know, and we saw this with China when they're trying to get their renminbis out of China, they use Bitcoin. But what's the point of getting your money overseas when you can't travel? So this is why I am surprised by this move because I don't see people buying Bitcoin right now anticipating having to leave their countries because you can't go anywhere. Countries are closing their borders. This is Bitcoin Basics Podcast with your host Ferris, that's me, and Gordon from Coin Compass. We're Bitcoin advisors and educators supporting business and individual investors to safely buy, manage, and control their private keys, Bitcoins. This podcast is strictly educational and is not intended to be financial or investment advice. Full disclaimer in the show notes and at the end of this episode. Hello and welcome everyone once again to the Bitcoin Basics Podcast. I'm still at the beach. How about you, Faris? No, I'm not at the beach. It is late evening, Friday night where I am. Yeah. Well, what a better time and place to talk about Bitcoin. Just before we get started. <laughs> it's always a good time and place. Let's do the proof of recording. So we're talking about block height, 622,263 or 20 March 2020. For those listening on our podcast, it was the audio version. Sorry again, it's going to be a, no, I'm not sorry, actually. It's going to be a visual feast. So we're going to be looking at charts. So head across to our YouTube channel and you can find everything at BitcoinBasicsPodcast.com. All our social media is on that page. Last but not least, if you do want to sign up to TradingView, again, you can sign up with a free account, but it is quite limited. So if you want to get serious about trading, and charting, go to coincompass.com slash tradingview. And if you sign up for an account there, it will just throw a few cents our way. That won't cost you anything though. So Faris, what has been happening in the last 24 hours? All right, Gordon. So let's have a look at um, what's happening around the market. So I'm just going to set my screen share. All right. So yeah, we've had a couple of videos where we kind of branched out more than what we usually do. Most of our stuff, we talk about um, long-term um, long investing in Bitcoin, and we teach you the Bitcoin risk mitigation, so basically how to buy, store, and keep your private keys safe. Um, but with everything going on in the markets, um, yeah, we, uh, Bitcoin does not live in a um, silo unto itself. It very much is part of the global economy now. So we do want to see what's happening in the global economy. So I'm going to talk about this later. Despite everything that's been going on, if you want to look at technical measures, according to um, what technical traders look at, we're actually not in a bear market in a lot of the markets, a lot of the indices that we'll look at. The NASDAQ, um, US DAX, which is Germany, Shanghai, China. US 30 bonds um, is a bit different. We'll look at that. And we're going to look at Italy as well. Uh, we'll look at safe haven assets later as well. But what do I mean by not in a bear market? So, first of all, I want to bring this up. This is Reuters, the news agency. And this just basically shows how quickly this um, virus is spreading around the world. And um, follow the work of uh, Chris, I'm forgetting his surname at the moment, um, but he runs a Peak Prosperity podcast, and he's doing a daily update on this, and he's actually got a um, 
professional training and education in microbiology. So he knows what he's talking about. Um, so yeah, I follow him. I'll put a link in our show notes to his uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, Chris Masterson. That's his name. Thank you. Yeah, he's been running Peak Prosperity podcast, which previously was a Peak Prosperity Wildcast for quite some time. Very much ahead of his time is his podcast, and yeah, really excellent um, listening. Um, so, and this is again, I'm not trying to sound insensitive here, but we are not doctors, we are not humanitarians. We talk about Bitcoin and how it's related to the global markets, and this right now it's affecting global markets. So, that is our role here, um, looking at how this affects global markets. So. Yeah. Um, so I want to look at, um, so we can see Italy is one that's been actually really um, devastated by this. And is this a sign of what's going to happen in the rest of the world? Are these little bubbles going to grow into bigger bubbles? Because this thing spreads fast. It's asymptomatic, meaning it shows no symptoms. You can have it, not know you have it for two weeks. So this is the Italian stock market. And we can see it's just taking a dive from this. Um, so you see these trend lines here. So these are the 20, the green is a 20 moving average. So the last 20 periods, the 50 is the yellow, and then the 200 is the one in, um, sorry, other way around. The 200 is a green, the red is a 20, and the 50 is the yellow. So I, I set them up like traffic lights. So right now we've got the yellow about to cross below the green. So first of all, it's a really big deal when indices trade close below their 200-day moving average. So when this happened here, when it closed below the 200-day moving average, that's a sign for a lot of these algorithms that are running the markets at the moment to say, well, we want to sell. And then when we get to a certain deviation point, we're going to buy. So that was a key indicator then. Um, now, it's not reliable, as you can see back here in August, it was false, it went below. But now, this was such a big run um, down. So we are looking at going near a bear cross, it's called here, where, sorry, not a bear cross, a death cross, where the um, 50 is about to go below the 200. So that, again, will trigger a lot of the algorithm, I, I believe. Again, we have seen this before. Not always 100%, but... Um, yeah, the, we, everything's very computerized. So when I say we've seen it before, it was here in 2018, and we just had a very small bear market that ended in a very nice head and shoulders, actually. I've noticed this before. Inverse head and shoulders, and then we went to all-time highs in the Italian. So now we're looking at another golden cross, um, another death cross. Um, so I said we are not in a bear market technically. So if I go to the NASDAQ, which is the um, US one, we can see here, it's not as, so even though we've had a huge drop, 30% drop, because it was so fast, these indicators are laggy and it's gonna take a long time for them to catch up with something that was so fast. Um, because what it is, it's taking the previous 20, the average of its previous 20 closing days, 50 closing days, 200. That moves so fast that these averages are still taking into all this back here, this big run here. So this is not a reflection of what's really happening because these are lagging indicators. And the 
point here is we are well and truly below the 200-day moving average, and we, we should go back up and retest that. Anything that goes down that quickly should be. And this is what we've seen in the past, is as soon as people said, that's it, we've got all these technical signs, we're in a bear market, we've had these huge V-shaped recoveries, which again, time and time again, you hear, this has never happened, this has never happened. So that's the NASDAQ. If we look at the DAX, in our last two videos, I said, is the DAX the indicator of things to come? Now that, you can see, that's crossed. That, by all technical terms, is in a bear market. You've got the three moving averages signaling we're in a bear market. Below the 200-day moving average, well and truly below it. Um, and the 200-day moving average, in this case, is not neutral. It's actually going down. So the DAX in Europe shows it we're well and truly in a bear market. And is the DAX basically the canary in the gold mine for what's going to happen to the rest of the world? Now, the Shanghai Stock Exchange is a bit different. We talked about this huge gap down when Corona hit. And now it's still kind of in this sideways pattern. So um, I think because China got hit pretty hard um, a year ago when the world was doing pretty well, and it, it's I don't know if it's an outlier, but um, yeah, it's very, very hard to gauge actually with the DAX. I don't, um, sorry, with the Shanghai. I don't trade it because it's just way too volatile. Um, so 30-year bonds. So what is the case in investing is people believe that stocks and bonds are anti-correlated. So in, in essence, if you buy stocks and bonds, if stocks go down, bonds go up. They're the safety risk. And right now that is playing out. So what we're looking at here is yields, meaning if yields are going down, then bonds are going up. And this next 24 to 48 hours will be very interesting because bonds, I think, will actually tell us more what's happening in the global market than equities. Um, equities, I think, are probably the laggard as far as what's really going on. I think we'll get better sentiment from bonds. And um, if yields start coming down, then equities should follow. So that I think will basically tell us what's happening in, in the global markets is a closer look at what, what's happening in bonds. The other safety play um, is the dollar. Now, yep, really bad day, but I mean, this was expected. I mean, when we talk about V-shapes, this was a V-shape in the dollar and that's just monumental. So this should come back down and test the 100. So this is a level I'm going to be watching very carefully. If it closes below the 100 on the DXY, closes below 100, I'd, I'd be suspicious that this is a new bull market. And when I say a new bull market, I say we're looking at potentially another 20 to 30% up in the US dollar. Um, yeah, so that's where we are. Um, this is just a, yeah, a very brief macro view of the markets, but um, one thing that I do want to address is what's happening with quantitative easing, because we've seen this before. When markets start to fall, what you'll have is uh, quantitative easing from the banks. And this, you can see this slide I've, in this, I've titled this QE2++++, because we've just had so many QEs taking place since 2008. So we just had Australia basically announce unlimited QE, not this month. We're just going to basically keep buying Australian bonds. U.S. is doing a trillion dollar bailout, 
plus yield controls, basically meaning essentially it's just buy bonds to stop yields going too low. And Sweden also has announced QE. Um, there'll be more of this to come. Um, and several countries around the world, like, um, I brought up a list before, you're looking at about 30 countries um, in the last week has cut interest rates. So they're fighting this with everything they have, but the problem is interest rates are already at 5,000 years low. The only way they can go is negative. And I'll talk about that later. Now, I want to show this interview. This interview is a couple years old. This is from Jim Rogers. Anyone who doesn't know Jim Rogers, he is one of the co-founders of the Quantum Fund. The Quantum Fund was started by George Soros, Jim Rogers, and Stanley Druckmill was the number three guy there. Um, so yeah, one of the most successful hedge funds ever. And yeah, I just want to play this interview. We're going to put a link up to a Bloomberg interview with Jim Rogers, who every if you don't know who Jim Rogers is, he's one of the co-founders of um, the Quantum Fund. The Quantum Fund was set up by George Soros, Jim Rogers, and Stan Druckenmiller was the number three man there. And it's one of the most successful hedge funds ever. Um, George Soros received the nickname, the man who broke the Bank of England, because he bet against the Bank of England and proved them wrong and made one to $2 billion overnight, practically. Um, so yeah, please, Jump on this link to um, Jim Rogers is a couple years old, but he's been saying this for 10 years, basically saying what they did in 2008 was a quick band-aid, but it's going to be a bloodbath later on. And are we at that point today where we're going to see the bloodbath or are we going to see a reversal in market? So these next week to two weeks is critical to what's going on. So what are we actually seeing here? Um, is are we going to basically see more QE? So in essence, we're not seeing inflation. So you're not going to put your money in the bank because QE is basically going to bring interest rates down. You're not going to get yield from um, bonds. So where do you go? Bitcoin, which we talk about, we believe is one option. And ironically, the share market. So we've just talked about the share market basically being inflated needing a serious correction, it still needs a good 30 or 40% just to get the fair value. So why long-term is, is the share market going to do well? And this is something I've heard a lot and someone to follow is Brent Johnson of Santiago Capital. He's very active on Twitter. And what the, they think, so we're seeing the dollar go up and with the if, that means there's money going into the US dollar. So people are buying US dollars. What are you going to do with them? Well, you're not really going to buy bonds if they're not yielding any interest. You're going to buy gold, you're going to buy Bitcoin, but you're, you might end up buying um, shares. So here's one chart where this guy believes we're looking at a downside of the share market back down to around 2016 lows before we start going back up. Now, why is that? Because when you buy shares, when you buy stocks, you get paid a dividend. That dividend used to be minor compared to government bonds. Government bonds would pay yield, the dividend was minuscule. Well, those dividends are now higher than bonds. So we kind of, in the last 10 years, reached this top feature of the world where people are buying equities because they're paying a dividend, because that dividend was higher than government yields. So if you're a retiree and you want to live off three to 4% a year, you're not going to get that in bonds, but you might get that in equities. So this is a potential scenario where the shit hits the fan, global markets are in turmoil, but then we see, well, 
I would rather put my money in a private company like Google, like Apple, like Amazon, than these idiots running governments. And that's a potential scenario. If we have a look at Bitcoin, so we said that we were looking at from our last video, I think around 6,400 was what we were looking at as resistance. And we are going above that now. So, mm. yeah, when the facts change, you change your mind. Now, we're not, we're at what we said would be an estimated 50% reversal. So, with that, and this is where people, we use Fibonacci charts. I personally don't like them, um, simply because I'll show you why. So let's say this candle here was when the big move started. Yeah, so with Fibonacci, you've got the two anchor points, your starting point and your end point. I'll put the starting point here and the end point here. Now we've broken through the 50% resistance line and we're heading back up. So you could argue we this might, be back into a bull run and we'd be going back to above 10,000. But if I change this anchor point to here, that's that last high point of supply, then we're just at the 50% mark here. We haven't closed above it. So I could argue, oh, it's just retesting the 50%. This is why I don't like Fibonacci's because it's very subjective as to where you put the anchor point. And you can basically change it to suit your own narrative. So I don't like it because the way you look at it is I've come up with an opinion and I'm going to put these Fibonacci charts to strengthen what I already believe. That's why I don't use them because it's just too subjective for me. So what I'm looking at here is where's the next point of demand? So where resistance at this point, sorry, where's Bitcoin going to hit resistance? That's going to hit resistance. Uh, there's around 7,500. There's some resistance there. And up around 9,250. So I'll draw these lines out. And why am I doing those? Because these are, as a swing trader, these are the key points we're going to be looking out for. This one here is a very low, that's not a very strong one. That's a pretty weak one, actually. I, I don't see that being much of a resistance but 9,200. If we break through 9,200, we close above 9,200 on a uh, daily basis, then I'm going to go, okay, um, this whole thing of this was, we're going to trend sideways between 46 and 64. I was wrong. Um, definitely wrong there. So yeah, I, yeah, I didn't buy this whole bull flag narrative. If you did and it's broken out, you've done it wrong. To me, it just, that didn't add up. But um, look, we're basically, we need to wait for this candle to finish. This daily candle we're in today, we need to wait it to finish. What we're doing now is presuming something's going to happen based on a candle that hasn't finished yet, which you don't want to do. This could end up being a reversal candle if we don't know. Yeah, good analysis, Ferris. I, um, like you, I think I'm really surprised that the, uh, the rebound that happened almost a couple of hours after we started recording it uh just went straight up and um yeah it actually pretty much went straight through six thousand i actually sold um some of my position at five thousand nine hundred for that exact point because i'm like no nope, five thousand nine hundred i'm gonna take a bit of profit because i'm like yeah 
And it sort of hovered around there for a little bit and then it went <laughs> right through 6,000. So I'm like, oh, well, you know, um, I, the, I, I still think like everyone is FOMOing in. If you look at Twitter and YouTube or whatever, everyone's like, it's off to the moon. Everything's rosy again. Here we go. 10 K baller. It's way too early for that. You're talking like what? Uh, three bullish, two and a half bullish um, daily candles. So um, I'm, I'm not going to FOMO in. And this is the thing. If you look at the global um, scenario as well, like you're bound to have a counter trend rally. And I don't know if this is a, and when I say counter trend rally, I'm referring to the indices we're looking at, the NASDAQ, um, the dollar. So basically where it means yet people made the profits and now they're piling in. And as it goes down and down and down, people will think, oh, I've missed it. Um, the trend is reversing. But there's a big difference between a counter trend rally and a trend reversal. So with stop losses, you want to have nice wide stops where you know the trend has reversed and not you get stopped out of a counter trend rally. Because what a counter trend rally is, is the shorts taking profits or the longs taking profits. So, and that happens, nothing goes straight up. So people will have to take profits on the way up and on the way down. Let's say people are yeah. taking profits. It's great if everyone's taking profits, but 5% of people are taking profits, everyone else is taking losses. Hmm. Indeed. Um, having said all that, it does look pretty bullish right about now, but as you said, a uh, bit of a wait and see. It's funny, uh, I don't know about you, but um, one of my uh, social trading indicators is uh, how many people are contacting me via email or phone calls. Like when the price is low, I get a call like, are you okay? Is everything okay? I heard that Bitcoin thing that's dying or dead. Is, is everything okay? And then you get the other half of people saying like, is this a good time to buy now? Is this the bottom? And then mm. like when the price is, you know, uh, right up there and people are following in and the price is like right at the top, you get the exact same question. Like, is this now a good time to buy Bitcoin mm. from completely opposite yeah. people? So, um, oh, I, I love social indicators. I really do. You, you pay attention to them. And um, a, a good book to read about this is called Signals by Pippa Malmbrand. Really interesting book, that one. Um, and I won't forget someone who I told about Bitcoin um, going into the 2017 when we had that. And I remember um, this person yelled to me, hey, thanks to Bitcoin, they're flying overseas and upgraded their seat to business class on a nice long overseas trip. And I just had that joke. Oh, that means something. I didn't pay attention to it, but I just remember going, okay, this, you know, that's a sync signal. And yeah, sure enough, that was like, you know, a couple of weeks from the top. So that's, I do completely believe in social indicators. Mm. So I want to just go back to a bit of the macro point. Now you're, you've been in economics and stuff like that, but people like me who, you know, uh, don't come from that background. Um, I feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I've read today, at least, um, the Fed put $1.5 trillion into the repo market and announced um, QE. I think it was $700, $700 billion of QE. Yep. Is that right? Yep. And so um, what I'm reading, because it was on the internet, so it must be true, is that between 2009 and 2014, so we're talking like QE, one, two, three, um, mm -hmm. the Fed pumped in 3.6 trillion dollars now yeah. 
<laughs> they're on a pretty good we're on a pretty good start already like we're talking uh a couple of weeks and uh that took what five years so do you think uh yeah do you think we're going to exceed that oh yeah and this is the problem in that when something's available for free and when there's no oversight what's stopping them not no one can stop the fed the fed is they represent the taxpayer but they're unelected and they're actually composed of private banks so this is the thing about the fed um uh there's quite a few books out there that explain it um and i'll be honest they Look, Jay Powell is different to the previous ones. Jay Powell actually has real world experience. He actually knows how things, how the system, the plumbing works in the system. Ben Bernanke, Janet Yellen, they didn't know what, what was going on. They had no idea. Um, the repo market, I, look, I know of it. I know the basics. I don't understand it. I would venture to say not many people understand it. And I follow very clever people on Twitter, on Real Vision, on Macro Voices, and they'll say, we don't understand this thing. And these are people that manage billions of dollars. And they go, we know the repo market's problem. We don't know what the problem is. And the Fed's response is, well, we don't know what it is, but we'll give you money to fix it. <laughs> yeah, the meme is so, uh, the Fed is about as federal as Federal Express. And by the way, one really good book to uh, read is The Monster on Jekyll Island, if you've read that. I can't remember yeah. who was the author. Yeah, I'm going through that now as well. There's quite a few notes. good ones. Monster and Jack of Ireland. Um, oh, there's quite a few. There's some really good books out there. Um, uh, That's all right. We'll put uh, some of our book recommendations and uh, resources in yeah. the show notes. So I see. Okay, so the coronavirus was the. You know, it'll probably be seen as a black swan event that's kind of lit the fuse. But I think the repo market will be seen as these collateralized obligations within 2008, where you only had so, you had such few people understanding what was going on. And these few people were manipulating it. I think the repo markets could potentially be the um, CDOs of 2008, the collateralized debt obligations, where it's going to take years for people to unpack it. Okay, here's what these people did with all this money. Very few people knew what was going on. They knew, used that knowledge to their advantage and, you know, basically broke the system. That's one potential we're looking at. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where we are a few years from now, is the repo market is where all the dirty laundry took place. But Faris, I thought that the coronavirus was the uh, reason why this uh, financial crisis completely happened. It's got nothing to do with uh, stimulus packages or anything like that. And I'm, I'm being sarcastic, of course, but I really do think the, the like average him. person on, yeah, I really do think the average person on the street, that's probably what they believe though. Like this virus crashed the markets. It's got nothing to do with the enormous debt and, and you know, easily yeah. accessible credit and quantitative easing. So this is where we need to remind ourselves of this. So the reason, um, so some personal history here. In 2009, I left my work and spent basically a year renovating and ex build, building a house. Um, me, me and a friend did it together. So for about a year, I listened to audiobooks and podcasts just about the global financial crisis. Um, so every day I'm listening to stuff and I'm learning about economics, 
uh, about yeah, basically what happened to Goldman Sachs. I read books about it. So that was a year, and that in a way that was a not a good thing because I learned a lot, a lot about it. But then I also learned that the guys didn't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They just kept pretending everything was okay. So it kind of set me up as a perma bear. I think we're, we're due for stock market crash any day now. And like what's happening now in the markets, I have lost so much money over several years trying to predict this one event. And because my mindset was, these guys don't know what they're doing. I know better. But at the end of the day, it's money that talks. The Federal Reserve controls money. So we're talking about a stock market crash. We're talking about a little financial crisis. We don't know if we're there yet. This could rebound tonight, and we're on our way to all-time highs because that's what's happened in the past. And this is where, um, in several interviews, you hear, don't fight the Fed. And look, that actually has some relevance because they control the supply of money. Like, how are you ever going to beat a casino who basically has more money than you and can change the rules? And that's what the Fed does. They've literally been changing the rules to the financial markets. So how are you going to fight them when they have unlimited wealth? And they can rewrite the rule book. What, what are your odds? Yeah, I was trying to think of an analogy or an example. As you know, we love to beat dead horses to death virtually. We're not, uh, we're against animal cruelty here at the Bitcoin Basics podcast. Um, I was trying to think of an analogy. It's kind of like, well, the Fed kind of created the crisis. They're kind of like, they're the ones who lit the fire, but they're mm. kind of uh, escaping out the back of the house, then putting on their firefighter suits, jumping out front and then start, you know, trying to put out the fire and everyone's like, yeah, go the Fed, you know, this enormous um, catastrophe, we need someone to help Mm. us. And maybe the people, well, definitely the people, maybe 99% of people don't understand how the Fed actually works and who it's made up of, what what kind of control it has on the monetary supply. Uh, To be honest, I believe, like we've, the United States has lived without the Fed. There was a period in the late 19th century, if I'm remembering this correctly, where there was no Fed and you had economic prosperity. You don't mm. need them. You honestly don't. And um, follow the work of, I can't remember if it's a doctor or professor, Russell Napier, N-A-P-I-E-R. Uh, fascinating. He runs an economic history course, which I really want to go into. But he is very much switched on onto this. And um, he's done some awesome interviews. Um, Macro Voices, I'm pretty sure, was a recent one he did. Um, yeah, follow his work to learn about this. And he's one of these guys, very bright, but explains things well. So what does this mean for Bitcoin then? This is the uh, Bitcoin Basics podcast. And uh, even though we like to look at a macro viewpoint of the markets and that sort of stuff, um, there's probably a lot of people who are just sort of interested in, well, let's be honest, <laughs> most people are interested in the price at the moment. So uh, what does this mean? Yeah, so, okay, if I'm looking at this, and as you know, I do prefer naked charts, which is just very mm. little on it. Um, all right, actually, I'm, I should have zoomed out a bit more. So here we are. We are actually, yeah, at a very critical point right here. If I just move this line down here. So this here was 6,500. So if we close above 6,500, I think, I think that's significant, to be honest. Yeah, that's going to be pretty decent. If we can stay above 6,500, um, then this could have been the bottom down here. 
uh, just below four. Mm. So yeah, next few, yeah, this will, yeah, this will be interesting. Uh, look, the thing about Bitcoin um, is in the past, people do realize, hey, it's a very easy way to get money overseas. So I, you know, and we saw this with China when they're trying to get their renminbis out of China, they use Bitcoin. But what's the point of getting your money overseas when you can't travel? So this is why I am surprised by this move because I don't see people buying Bitcoin right now anticipating having to leave their countries because you can't go anywhere. Countries are closing their borders. Um, it could be that finally people are going, this is a safe haven trade. But again, we're speculating. It's too early to tell. We are basing this off of two candles, one of which hasn't even closed yet. So... Yeah, it's too soon to come up with any hypothesis right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I do believe that Bitcoin is a safe haven asset, but I mean, not today, not tomorrow, probably not this year. Um, eventually, mm. you know, and, and, and maybe that takes 10 years time that people realize that, hey, um, they might not understand the intricacies of um, money supply and modern monetary theory. But you know what? They do understand when they go to the supermarket and that Apple costs, you know, 30%, 40% more than what it did last year. Um, you know, maybe that's just a slow process yeah. that people need to go through and understand. Yeah, I think look, that 2017 bubble that we had in Bitcoin did not help Bitcoin. It just made it look like a get-rich-quick scheme. It made it look like mm -hmm. a dot-com bubble. It really didn't help it. Yeah. One last thing, actually, one thing that I haven't even looked at, uh, what is gold doing? And maybe you could say overlap a chart of gold with Bitcoin. Yeah, so we did, we were meant to bring up gold. So gold has surprised me. I was expecting it to bounce. Um, oh, actually, hang on, here we go. Yeah, last Check I looked at this, chair, we were way. breaking 14. Oh, thank you. So yeah, last I looked at gold, we were breaking below the 1400 mark. And at the moment, we've actually had a decent bounce. So yeah, last I looked at gold was around here. We broke below 1500, sorry. So we broke below 1500 and now we have had a nice short term bounce. And I think we said in our last video, 1440 was the point. Yeah, so, hmm. Yeah, interesting to see what happens here. This is, it is the critical point for gold. That is a nice candle, this one, this um, third last one here. I like that candle. That's a, yeah, that's quite a nice candle. That's a very bullish candle. This one, if that closes, um, closer to 1520 that looks like a nice setup today pretty similar to Bitcoin, isn't it? right now sorry pretty similar is this a daily i can't see it on my mobile screen uh, this is a four hour chart so this is a four okay. hourly so daily is it looking similar to bitcoin it's lagging bitcoin a bit yeah yeah hey if we close above 1520 that's going to be significant. And as you can see, these um, moving averages, and that's a key point, it's at the 200-day moving average for gold. So broke below the 200-day moving average. If it closes above the 200-day moving average, 
that's going to be significant. That's something worth paying attention to. And these key levels we talked about in our last video were right here. At 1447. And look at that. It didn't quite get there. It got really close. See that? It got really close, but didn't get there. So you've had a lot of people buying around here. Yeah, so if we if we close above 1520 on a daily candle, I'd be pretty confident to say get back in the gold. Mm. Now, how does it relate to Bitcoin? We did write that um, we saw 2019. Um, we did see a very strong correlation between the two. Um, but that correlation did break. And again, when something becomes obvious, it you know, no longer happens. So let's see how these correlations go. Hmm, look at that. So gold is blue, Bitcoin is the orange line here. And they are correlating pretty well. Yeah. That's extremely hmm. interesting. That's interesting. Uh -huh. Well, lucky I've that got both. <laughs> and none of this wow. paper gold either. Physical. Yeah. I mean, sorry, I don't have any of those. I uh, lost them in a boating accident. So when we say we saw the correlation break, it was like, yeah, um, late 2019 here, we did see gold stay towards its highs and keep going up, and Bitcoin was doing the opposite. So we did see this correlation in late 2019 break. But now, and look, at this is short term, but I mean, look at that. Mm. That's really interesting. Sure is. Come on, man. Anything else going on? All right, Forrest. No, um, I was reading a couple of news articles today about the effect of uh, Russia and Saudi um, uh, continuing their um, production of oil and that kind of stuff. But let's not go down that uh, rabbit hole. Maybe leave that for another podcast. And um, I was also thinking about some of the positives of... Um, this uh, coronavirus and everyone staying at home and remote working and homeschooling and all that kind of stuff. It could be some mm. actual silver lining stuff. Anyway, how about we do that next podcast? For those uh, listening or even watching, uh, coincompass.com slash tradingview. You can sign up for a free account, but yeah, if you want to get some cool indicators and um, the free account's pretty restrictive, uh, sign up for an account if you wouldn't mind doing that. It doesn't cost you anything, but it sends a few extra cents our way. And of course, subscribe and like our YouTube channel. All links at bitcoinbasicspodcast.com. Cool. Thank you, everyone. And of course, share it with your friends. That doesn't cost you anything either, but it would uh, help us more than you know. Well, thank you again, Ferris, for your excellent analysis. And um, we will perhaps revisit this uh, next week and see how gold, Bitcoin and the rest of the market's doing. Excellent. Yeah, we'll get back on this soon. It's interesting times. Mm. All right, everyone. Until next time. Thanks for watching or listening. Please visit coincompass.com free to register to our socials and discover other free content. Subscribing, liking, and following helps this content remain ad-free.
Until next time.